Let's open up in prayer. Father, we love you. Father, you are a good, good father. And Father, we thank you that you love us so much. Father, I pray that as we study your word, as I preach your word, that you would open our eyes and minds and hearts, soften our hearts to understand exactly what it is you have to say to us. And Father, that we would live differently because of it. Father, we love you and we thank you for your word to us. We thank you for giving your revelation to us. We thank you for giving your son for us. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen. So why are we here? Why do we exist? What's our purpose? This is not just a question that you think about. This is a question you feel. This is something that all of us have asked ourselves, and it wasn't just some question that that didn't really impact us. It was a question that at some point in our lives, if not many, many times in our lives, we've all asked ourselves this this question at some point, and we felt the weight of this question. You know people in your life that don't have a close relationship with God. They, they, don't have a, they don't know Jesus. And when they ask themselves this question, they feel the weight of this question. And people have tried to deal with this question in lots of different ways throughout history and today. So what is our purpose? Why, why are we here? What, what are we supposed to be doing? Do I have value? Do I have worth? Well, the first thing we need to look at is what is the definition of purpose? Purpose means it's the reason for which something is done or for which something exists. Your purpose is the reason for which you exist. So the question is, why do we exist? I mean, I, I hate to tell somebody I wouldn't believe them, but it would be very hard for me to believe that you have not at some point in your life looked at the chaos and the evil and the heartache and the pain in this world we live in and having at some point asked yourself, why does God have us all here? Why this life? Why this way? Why did he put us here if he knew this is what we were going to do? Why not instead just have done it completely different from the get-go? Why not have just made us to live in heaven with him perfectly without the ability to choose to sin? I mean, life would be great. We wouldn't hear about all these horrible tragedies that we've seen. Why didn't he, why didn't he pick that way? Why instead did he choose to put us here? Why does he allow us to be here? Why does all this go on? And I know I've said it many times from this pulpit, but I want to say it again. If God had just put us in heaven to begin with and never given us the ability to sin, what else would we not have the ability to do? Choose. We would not have the ability to choose to hate God. And you say, well, what's wrong with that? We shouldn't hate God. He made us. He gave us existence. He brought us, he gave us existence. Why should we have the ability to choose to hate God? Because with the about, without the ability to choose to hate God or to choose not, or to hate, you know, hate's a strong word, to choose to just not care about God. You know, you know lots of people that don't necessarily hate God, but you know lots of people that, that just don't care, right? 
Why not give us the ability to choose to just not care? Why, why is that a bad thing that he did if he would not have given us that choice? Because it means he would have forced us without choice to love him. It would be no, not much more than just programmed love. We would be creatures of God, yes, but we would be programmed robots of God that are programmed to love him. Now you imagine being God. You exist before the world begins. You exist with the, as the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Just try to imagine it. There is no world. There are no people yet. You have a perfect relationship in the Trinity with the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The three of you, you're one God, but you're three persons. And you have a perfect relationship. There is no sin. There is no pain. And then you choose, I'm going to make creatures. I'm going to make creation. I'm going to make creatures. I want a bigger family. I want a bigger family. I'm going to create creatures that love me and that I love them and that we have a relationship together. I will be their father and they will be my children. If you created creatures that you forced to love you, that had no other choice, you as God would say to yourself that love doesn't mean anything. It's pointless. Why make them and force them to love me if I know that love's not real? Why do it at all? So it's not why are we here? Why didn't he just make us to love him and be perfect in heaven to begin with? The reason we're here is because if he didn't give us a choice to hate him or love him or not care about him, then might as well just we not be here at all. We may not as well be in heaven at all. There'd be no point for us. What he's looking for is what's real. He's looking for real love. He's looking for a real relationship. Think about people in your life that love you. Think about somebody in your life that loves you. And I can tell you right now, that person doesn't have to love you. They chose to love you. That's why their love matters to you. I know you may think it's not true, but grandparents don't have to love their grandchildren. Your grandparents did not have to love you. You ask them, they say, well, I couldn't help it. (laughs) But they don't have to. And the sad reality is there are lots of parents and grandparents on, in this country that do not love their kids and grandkids. They don't. You say, well, I can't imagine that. We grew up in, in Yatesville. I can't imagine that. It's true. When someone chooses to love you, their love means something. It's real love. And God looked at the options And he looked at the possibility and he said, I want a family made up of people who really love me, that I really love. And the only way to have real love is to give them the option to not love me so that they can choose to love me because that's real love. Otherwise, they're just programmed robots. That's why we're here and not there. Yet. And that's a word of hope. Yet.
when God first created Adam and Eve, he gave them a lifespan of a thousand years. He shortened that to 120, and I'm so thankful. I would hate to know that the evil people in this world had the possibility to live a thousand years. I would hate to know that I would have to live in this world with those evil people for a thousand years. I'm glad that a hundred is about my limit. I'm thankful for that. This world would be a lot worse off if he didn't shorten our lifespans. But he chose to only leave us here for such a short period of time. In light of eternity, when we're spending eternity with God, and it is perfect, with a loving father and a loving family made up of brothers and sisters who really love each other, when we look back on our time on earth, it's going to disappear. It's going to be like we never even were here. It's going to be so short, it's just going to be gone. Even if we make it to the, the biblical age limit of 120 years old. He's only leaving us here for a short window of time. <clears throat> Colossians, why do you exist? You exist for Jesus. You exist for God. Colossians, Paul said this to the Colossians. Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He said this. He, being Jesus, is the image of the invisible God. You can't see God, but you can see Jesus. And Paul said Jesus was the image, the visible image of the invisible God. The firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Everything was created by who? Jesus. All things have been created through Him and for Him. Why were you created? For Him. You were created for Jesus. That's your purpose. The purpose, the reason why something exists. Your purpose is you exist for Jesus. That's your purpose. He is before all things and by him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he might come to have first place in everything. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile everything to himself, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. There it is, Colossians 1.16. All things have been created through him and for him. You were created for Jesus. You were knitted together by God. Psalm 139.13 For it was, you, it, it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You were created, knitted by God individually, personally, for him. And we cannot miss sight of that. We cannot lose sight of that as the church. Every person was personally knitted together, created individually by God for himself. He did not create people just for entertainment. He did not create people just haphazardly. 
every individual person he personally knew and created for himself. And God does not want you to perish, but to live for, with him forever. The Lord does not delay his promise, 2 Peter 3, nine, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. How many people does God want to go to hell? Zero. None. How many people does God want to repent and live? Every single person he knit together. Everyone. That's why Jesus came to earth. Luke 19.10, Jesus said, For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save the lost. Jesus himself said, I have come to seek after and to save the lost. He didn't say some of the lost. He didn't say the lost that I choose to save. He didn't say the, only the lost that, that I decided I wanted. He said the lost. For God so loved the world. Every person. He sent his son. Every person. Jesus wants us to be with him for all eternity. John chapter 17, Jesus prayed. We only have a couple, just a few handful of prayers by Jesus recorded in the scriptures. But this is the longest that we have of his. He prayed. And I want you to pay, we're going to skip the middle part because in the middle part he was praying specifically for his, the 12 apostles, his disciples. But just for time, we're going to skip that. But I, I want you to hear what he had to say. 17, 1 through 5, Jesus spoke these things, looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you gave him authority over all flesh so that he may give eternal life to everyone you have given him. This is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. Jesus said, Jesus said, this is eternal life, to know God personally, intimately, closely. Why? Because he made you for him to know Him, to spend eternity with Him, to have a relationship with Him forever. And it doesn't get any better than than to know Him. I have glorified you on the earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, glorify me in your presence with that glory I had with you before the world existed. Imagine the picture. Jesus with the Father, before the creation, and he said he had this immense, immaculate, amazing glory. Jesus just had this glory, this radiance about him, this, this, this perfection about him, this, this undeniable, just awe-inspiring, fall-on-my-face presence with God. And then the Scripture says that Jesus laid himself down, laid those things down, let go of the things that made him uh, perfectly equal with God, didn't grab hold of it, humbled himself and became a man 
And we didn't recognize his glory. We didn't recognize his beauty. We didn't recognize his holiness. And we treated him with contempt, contempt and we murdered him. And Jesus is saying right before he's about to go to the cross and he's praying, he says, give me that glory that I had with you before the earth existed. And he goes on and he prays about his disciples. But then after he prays about his 12 apostles, then he actually prays for you, for me, for us. Starting in verse 20. He said, I pray not only for these but also for those who believe in me through their word. I'm praying specifically for all of those who will come to believe in me through the gospel message. May they all be one. May they all be one as you, Father, are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you have given me so that they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me so that they may be made completely one. Are you starting to see a pattern of what he's praying for us? He's praying that we would be unified, united, one in love. That the world may know you have sent me and you loved me as you have, have loved them as you have loved me. And that, that's just, for someone who recognizes that I'm a sinner and I'm fallen and I've rebelled against God and Jesus never has from the beginning of creation that he is God in the flesh to read that God, the Father, loves me as he loves Jesus should be all I need to hear the rest of my life. I don't need to have any more scripture. I don't need anything else. To know that the Father loves me who came to believe in Him through the gospel in the same way that He loves Jesus. I should never doubt Him again. I should never doubt His goodness for me. I should never doubt His his protection over me. I should never doubt His care for me. No matter what I go through in this life, I should never, ever, ever, ever doubt His love for me. Because to doubt his love for me is to doubt his love for Jesus. It can't happen. It can't happen. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am so that they will see my glory, which you have given me because you loved me before the world's foundation. Where does Jesus want you? Those who believe in the message through the gospel that spread by the apostles. Where does he want you to be? He wants you to be with him in heaven, seeing his glory that God has given him since the beginning of the creation forever. He wants you with him. He wants you to be with him. And you say, well, that's what I want. I want to be with him forever. I want to be in a perfect place. I don't want to be in this sinful world anymore. Well, you don't have to wait long. Hold on. Don't give up. He wants you with him. And he's not going to keep you here long. A hundred years, honestly, is really not that long. It feels 
so long to us sometimes. It does. But that's when we have to get our mind off of where we are and what we're in. And we have to get our mind onto where we're going and how long we're going to be there. We got to get our mind off of this trap that I'm in and this pain that I'm feeling. And we got to get our mind onto what God has for us and his longing and desire for us to be with him. Righteous Father, the world has known you. However, I, however, I have known you and they have known that you sent me. I made your name known to them and will continue to make it known so that the love you have loved me with may be in them and I may be in them. Jesus prayed that we would have a relationship with him, that we would be united and would be one as the body, as the church. And in so doing, our love for each other will show the world that God and Jesus is real. So we are made to love Him and to love each other. He prayed that we would be where He is so that we could see His glory. In Mark 12, 28-31, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment for us to do? One of the scribes approached when he heard them debating and saw that Jesus answered them well. He asked them, which command is the most important of all? Jesus answered, the most important is, listen, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other command greater than these. Jesus said, when, when Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing for us to do? He said, the most important thing for you to do is to love God with all that you are. And by the way, he didn't ask for a second, but Jesus said, oh, and by the way, and the second is second because it's not as important as loving God. God is the one we owe our life to. But the second is to love each other. And why did Jesus give a second when he was only asked for first? Because you can't love God. You can't do the first if you're not doing the second. You can't. You can't say, oh, the first, the most important is to love God with all I am. So I'm going to love God with all that I am. And I'm not going to worry about anybody else. I'm going to focus on loving God with all that I am. And Jesus is like, you can't. Because God knitted together every single one of these other people. And he has a plan and desires and longs to have a relationship with them forever. And if you really love him, then you're going to love those he loves. You can't say you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and say, I hate so-and-so. They're not compatible. You may hate what so-and-so's doing, but you, you have got to have a love for that person. Trust me. There's lots of stuff going on in the world. A lot of people doing a lot of things that I hate. And I'm not, and I'm not afraid to say it. A lot of killing. A lot of raping. A lot of, a lot of all kinds of you know what. And I hate when people do those things. 
But if God has a love for that person and wants to see that person redeemed and wants to see that person come to him and be made new and spend eternity in heaven with him forever because he doesn't want him to perish, but he wants him to come to repentance, then I got to love that person and I got to desire that they come to repentance. I got to desire that they turn from their evil ways and turn to a loving and holy and forgiving God. So what's your purpose? You are made by God, for God, to love God and love others. That's what you are made for. You are made by Him, for Him, to love Him. And to love others. And we're to love Him in heaven forever. And we're to love others in heaven forever. We're going to be one big happy family. And we're going to eat. And I'm excited about it. I'm excited about it. That is our purpose. It's our purpose as individuals and it's our purpose as the church. To love God and to love others. So what about right now? Well, we're to do that right now. We are. We're going to do it perfectly when we get to heaven, but we're to do it right now. We're to love God with all that we are, and we're to love others right now. But we weren't made for this life. I'm, I'm telling you, we weren't made for this life. We were made for the life God has in store for us forever. That's what we were made for. We were not made for this broken, sinful planet. So what do we do while we're here? Well, we love God and love others. That's our purpose. But Jesus also gave us a mission. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. He gave us something to do while we're here that we will not ever get a chance to do once we leave this place. When we're in heaven with God, we'll never get to do this. So he didn't give us this to do with him forever in heaven. That's not why he gave us this. He gave us this to do while we're here on earth before we die. Jesus came near and said to them, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. The thing that he's given us to do now, that we cannot compromise on, that we cannot give up on, that we can't push to the side, that we can't lose sight of, is to make disciples. Is to be disciples who make disciples. Because when you read the New Testament and you read the scriptures in the New Testament, when you read disciple, it's not the 12 disciples. Jesus gave them a different name. He gave them the name Apostle. They were called after he, not after he elected them, after he chose them, he said, and then they were called Apostles. Everybody else who believed in Jesus and followed Jesus over 200 and something times, close to 300 times, were called disciples. Christian appears three times. And it's always a negative word. It's a, it's a, criti- it's a criticism. It's, it's a word. It's a, it's a, you probably know what word I'm looking for. But it's an it's a ugly name you call people. 
It's a derogatory term. That's what I was looking for. It's a derogatory term, Christian was. It only appeared three times. But the other almost 300 times, it's disciple. Because anybody who followed Jesus, anybody who gave their life to Jesus, anybody who believed in Jesus, they were disciples. So what are we to be? Disciples. Who make what? Disciples. Is it okay to call ourselves Christians? Is it okay to call yourself by the name of your Savior? Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. It's perfectly fine to say Christian. But... Probably when you hear me in this pulpit, what you're going to hear is you're going to hear disciple because that's the term that Jesus gave his disciples. That's what everybody understood in the scripture as disciples. And that's just the term I tend to use. But that is our, that is our mission. We're to be disciples who make disciples. And it's spelled out right there. How do we do it? Well, we go to the people who have not embraced Christ We share the gospel with them, and when they accept Christ, we baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's the evangelism part. There's no conflict between evangelism and discipleship. Because if you're a disciple who makes disciples, you have to evangelize. And then once they accept Christ, and they make their profession of faith, and they're baptized, then We teach them to observe everything that Jesus commanded them. How do you do that? By going through the scriptures. You study the word together and you live out what you study. You live it out together. You study it together and you live it out together. And what do we see the New Testament church doing? What do we see all the disciples do when Jesus, when the apostles went out and shared the gospel and the church grew? We saw them studying the word weekly together and going out and living it together by loving each other and loving others and loving God. And they were being disciples who made disciples. So our purpose is to love God and love others. Our mission is Mission, while we're here, it's temporary. Purpose is eternal. It's never going to end. That's our purpose. That's forever. Our mission is temporary. Our mission is to be disciples who make disciples. Our purpose is to love God and love others. Our mission is to be disciples who make disciples. So I can sum it up for you. If you want it real short and catchy, Look at the front of your bulletin. It says, love God, love others, make disciples. That's the heart of who we are as the body of Christ and as the local church. To love God, love others, and make disciples. And we're going to do that until Christ comes back. And I'm going to tell you something about this world we live in real quick as we close. It's getting rough. But as a spoiled American kid, I don't know what rough means, if we're going to be honest. Subscribe to Voice of the Martyrs and that will real quick show you. There are Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ all around this world that are suffering. We don't know what suffering is. We don't know what persecution is yet. And I don't know what's going to happen with our future. This country, you might not want to admit it, but this country could just as easily flip and be a communist regime and be oppressed and Christianity could get stomped out and we could be, uh, uh, you know, 
persecuted for real, like our brothers and sisters across the world are, that could happen to us. And as quickly as things change now with the internet and social media and ideas being able to spread instantly, and people jumping on board with ideas that they haven't had time to really sit through and think through and dialogue with people who who know about both sides, how quickly you can have this mob rule. That's what we see with with social media. That's what we see with the internet, mob rule. Throw out something that sounds good, get everybody on board. We don't have to really go through and explain it. And then boom, everybody's on board. Things can change much more rapidly today than they ever have been able to in the past. So could all that happen in my lifetime? You better believe it could. Me, in my life, as an older man, if I'm still here by God's will, I could be living under a completely different regime where where Christianity is completely illegal and being persecuted. I don't think I'd make it that long because I think I would be in jail way before then. And... But it could happen in my lifetime. So yes, we should pray. We should pray. And and we shouldn't worry about the church. This church has been here for over 100 years. And I promise you, there will be a church in this town until Christ comes back. It may not be a building. It may not be a location. It may not be a public place that we can gather. But the church is not the building. The church is those who hold on to the Word of God at risk of life. And I'm convinced because of what the Holy Spirit has done in me and I've seen doing others. And because of His undying pursuit of all the people in this place, until He comes back, He's not going to quit pursuing. I don't believe the church will ever be stomped out. We must do all that we can to love God, love others, and make disciples so that when I'm long dead and gone, and I've been gone for a long time, the church is still here. Because that's what Paul did 2,000 years ago, and the church is still here. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you pursue us no matter what, that you long to be with us, that you created us for you. You created us for you, to be with you, to have relationship with you, to love you, to, to be your son and your daughter, and for you to be our father. And that just blows my mind. I am so thankful. Father, I love you. And Father, I know that you love me and I know that you love every person in this place and I know that you love every person that you knitted together, every person on this planet. So Father, help us. Help us love you more with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Help help us love each other as we love ourselves. And Father, help us be disciples who make disciples as long as we're here on this earth. Help us with our mission. Fuel it. Flame it. Spread it. Because there are so many who need you. There's so many who need to know about your forgiveness and your love for them. Father, this life is hard. We experience evil at the hands of evil people all the time. We have an enemy working against us. And so, Father, we need you through these times. 
We know because of your love for us that you don't want us to go through these, these awful things. You don't, you don't want children to be molested. You don't want people to be raped. You don't want people to be murdered and persecuted. You don't want that. That's why we need you when we go through these things. We need you. And Father, we need to be reminded that you yourself said that you love us just as in the same way that you love Jesus. So, Father, help us trust you. Help us trust you because we know how much you love us. Father, we love you. Father, I pray if there's a single person in this room that has not decided to turn from sin and place their trust and faith in you as the Son of God who came to this earth and lived a perfect life, died on the cross for their sins, and rose from the grave, who offers that life to them. Father, if there's not a single person who has not decided to do that, Father, I pray that they would do that right now in their hearts, right now, and mean it. And say, Father, I love you, and I know that I've sinned, and I want you to forgive me. And I give my life to you. Father, I pray that we as the church will will make you proud as a church that our love for each other will be evident to the world and our love for them will be known. We love you, Father. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' holy and precious and eternal name we pray. Amen. Would you please join and stand and join us for this last song? <coughs> Amen. So glad to see all y'all's faces today. I want y'all to know not just as your pastor, but as your brother in Christ. I love you. I'm looking forward to all of eternity, spending it with you uh, from here on out and eating all that good food together in heaven. And uh, I've already been enjoying it now. So uh, uh, thank y'all for being such a good family, being such a good church family. I love y'all very much. Keith, would you close us in prayer?